Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Performing Arts, a podcast from the New Books Network. My name is Andy Boyd, and I'm talking today with the poet Robert Lashley about his new book, Green River Valley. Robert, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I'd love to to talk to you a bit about kind of how poetry became part of your life. I know you grew up in Tacoma, Washington, which I did a section of my growing up in. So um, it's... I, I love Tacoma. It's not necessarily the place I would most associate with poetry. Um, so I'd just be curious to hear kind of how that became uh, such a big part of your life. Poetry first started to become a part of my life because of my Uncle Mo and my grandmother's house. From the age of six to the age of nine, I was going from house to house because um, with with my mother because uh, my mother had to leave uh, my father in the in the dark of night because of his drug habit, and my grandmother's house, and and my uncle Mo, they were the oasis of of safety and stability, and I didn't know anything about poetry, um, and my but but I knew what safety meant, like I knew what I knew what contentment, I knew what happiness, I knew what stability was and my uncle my uncle mo my grandfather and my and my grandmother gave me that and my uncle mo was the first poet in my family he would talk about writers and artists from the harlem renaissance to the people that he considered honored guests um like um carl shapiro and um and he would talk about them in a way that was brought people in and 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 would get people interested. He was a brilliant storyteller. He made poetry seem interesting. And my and 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 that's where I first got to poetry. And when I decided to get healthy in my late twenties, um I I went to I went to write I went to writing and taking the craft of poetry poetry seriously in honor of my um my uncle mo and my family great could you describe a bit about kind of what tacoma as a place means to you i i ask because place is such an important element in your work so i i'd be curious to kind of get your uh, your impression of what that place meant to you growing up and what is it and what it means to you now as an adult I like to call the community that I came from up south. Um, the um, I named it. I, I, I know it was the name of my second book, but I, I I like to call the community that. It is a group of people that came from the south. They migrated from the south uh, during the war to serve in this country, and they established their own complex, deeply rooted rituals um, in the Pacific Northwest. And they, and these were, and, and uh, these were rituals that, that, that kept them through tremendous changes in regards to, regarding to um, the civil rights movement, a tremendous, on an, an tremendously ugly ongoing history of discrimination. And, um, what happened when Hilltop in Tacoma became one of the most violent places to live in the country? Uh, I something that I that um I was near the center of because my father was a crackhead. Um, the um I I I I I see like place for me is is to 
is 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 those people place for me is 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 that piece of land that I call up south yeah that's um that's quite a complex history that you related in that answer to that question and and i i would i guess i want to know kind of do you still think of that of, of Tacoma and that area of Tacoma as a place that that you love is that a is that a word you'd use or is it is it too complicated to use a, a, a simple complicated word like that um it's complicated but there's love there um when I started writing a lot of people in the community invested a lot in me and they um, they took me and mentored me because they thought that I was going to be one of the first artists to tell th- a story that represented them. Mm. So um, I, I had, so like I, my university was, you know, going to um, Mrs. Mrs. Williams' house and going to Mrs. Williams' book club and Mrs. Lee's um, uh, bootleg beauty salon and, you know, learning my history through what the books that they assigned me and the lectures that they gave me for years and the idea that, um, that, that because, and they did that because Hilltop, there was this prevailing narrative prevailing narratives from um, the outside community that, that that Hilltop was somehow this frightening place and this place that was worse than that that was that was that was scary and it was it was a it was in there there was there was there was that there was drugs and there was trauma and but they wanted like I wanted to write it in a way that was honest instead of shaming an entire community or these sort of respectability politics narratives or instead, you know, on the other side where you have this sort of, you know, violent pop gangster rap that that a lot of people who would come in the community would, would would um they would try to they would try to establish the these sort of they they would they they were suburban kids who would try to pretend that they were gangster rappers and and they would try to to have record deals and careers so there were a lot of people that looked to me as as an artist that would tell the complex truth about what would happen through art and through and through the idea of, through, through the alchemy of art. Mm-hmm. Would you like to read a Hillside Terrace Memorial Commencement poem? I would like to do that. Thank you. Right here it is. Hillside Terrace Commencement Poem. The, um, it's right here, I'm... Um, The double Dutch crew runs in the late day. They kick it and take off briskly. They elude the potholes of the changing same block, rebuilt as an Amazon trap in the morning when we rise. They fly past upturned and upturned lands. They fly as the soil is flexed from the hill, where the adults left are men, the men left are boys, and the children were already dead before new buildings got sighted in the morning when we rise. They fly past the block starless air. They fly as the men set trip and fall before the shadows of stone crosses. 
Below the road is a mirage of the riverbanks with gilded stars and ill-cast buckets, ritual stones that pave all progeny. They fly and become the red line gourd, an end and beginning an aspirate ground where children are parents to trap gods, where cops push hoods to the side of the road for the path of gangster soccer dads, where MCs pose and pop their white collars and make mixes from the bones to Millie Rock to, where reenactors troll and patrol then crip waltz for imagined lands in the morning when we rise. They rise over the set trip meridian, riding over skyscrapers in shelters false and gone, circling trains, treaties, and generations of blood calls. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. That was beautiful. One of the things that I really love about this poem is the kind of tension between a kind of stasis and a kind of change. Like you get the sense that even though this double Dutch crew is, is moving kind of uh, furiously through the poem, they're at the same time kind of removed from what's going on around them. And they kind of feel like they're in their own little world. Is that kind of part of what you were trying to evoke in this poem? Yes. It was a sort of, it was me processing that. It was me processing like the neighborhood changing and, it was, it was, it was, I, it was, it, I, 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 the poem started in my head after I came back to the neighborhood for the first time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like, like a gangster theme park. It, it felt like my experiences in, in my history and my neighborhood's history was, was being like, was 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 being was being smoothed over and erased, um, like the the tenements that um where that I grew up in Hillside Terrace were now like were now four singular condos and they were and it was and and but there were still people who were who were who were asking me for drugs. And I just, I felt so angry, and I, um, I, 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 um, I, 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 and writing it, and just allowing that part of me that that is beyond me to process it, to to have the subject as a as a guidepost, but not a, a su- but not a subject in itself, to to, to just to to write a, to 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 write a poem around it. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned hip hop a couple of times in this interview already, and I, I'm I'm curious to hear more about it, your relationship to to hip hop. I mean, you've mentioned a kind of inauthentic gangster rap that felt like it was smoothing over the complexities of where you're from. But was was hip hop an inspiration for your work at any point? I mean, I feel like that's a gateway to poetry for a lot of young kids. It took me. It took me leaving Tacoma to have an appreciation for hip hop, mm. because when I was there, and when I was young, I I hated it more than C. Dolores Tucker, mm. because there were so many people that would come from the suburbs to like carpet bag yeah my ex- the, the the experiences that i saw and carpet bag my life and carpet bag so much of and and i be, i be, and the more i read the more i i became aware of you know you know, certain things, the more I became aware of the sort of fad of rappers who weren't about that life. I mean, CB4 was created as a sort of, um, 
as a sort of parody of that. And I became so angry because I, I was of that age, you know, coming up 12, 13, 14, where the walls start to close in and there were, you know, and a lot of my friends didn't have what I had. And a lot of my friends aren't here anymore. And they, they wouldn't, they, 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 they could have had, they would have, what they would have had were the chances that some of the gangs, the, 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 the wannabe thugs that I saw, um, had. And there was just, I processed a lot of anger and it took, and it took me a while to appreciate the best of hip hop, but there's still things that just doesn't sit with me. I'm just like, I, I can, I can, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that that really does. I I can really um, understand how that would be a very disorienting experience to kind of have, you know, a, a a fake version of your own experience kind of sold back to you or kind of forced on you in that way. And the thing I, I would add is, I was I was a kid DJ in the neighborhood, and the the music that people in the neighborhood listened to wasn't that. It was people like Luther Vandross and Anita Baker and Alexander O'Neill. And I just, and when I, when, 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 and when I would go out and when people would find out I was from Tacoma, they would ask me, oh my God, what kind of psycho killer shit did you listen to? I'm sorry for cussing. <laughs> but, okay. um, but, it, but, that, but it was that question and it would just really infuriate me. Yeah, you're like no, no, no. We were listening to slow jams. We we're listening to Luther Vandross. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Um, I'd love to talk to you a bit about your kind of relationship to performance. I, I feel like you clearly really uh, love performing your poetry, and I'm wondering, do you use performance to workshop poems, or do you only kind of bring a poem out into live performance when you feel like you've kind of um, got it to a, a, a final form? My relationship with performance um, has a lot to do with my uncle's version, my uncle's version of Rhapsody, of like my uncle would um, would go over his 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 poems, and he would and he would and and he he called it like practicing the scales. He would read it in front of other people to see what they got, and when I started becoming a poet, that's what I would do in, 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 in open mics and coffee shops, um, to, to, I, I have target audiences. I have people that I want to reach. Um, and if it worked with those people, yes, if it didn't, it didn't. But, um, that was like, I would, I would, but that's what I would do. Yeah. A lot of your poetry is a pretty complex, um, and and like the vocabulary is often very eclectic. Uh, and I definitely found reading your book that I had to read several of the poems kind of two or three times before I felt like I really understood kind of what you were what you do you were doing in the poem. Do do you worry that that kind of complexity can sometimes go over an audience's head in a in a you know in a reading at a coffee shop or in a bar or something like that? Um. One of the the things I aspire to in my art is the idea of gospel symbolism. And I wanted to alchemize the idea of gospel symbolism on the page and have that relate to a Black audience. I'll give you an example. Um, a, a, like... Mahalia Jackson's move on up a little higher. Um, to the 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 lay to the to the outside person, they might see that song as um um as 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 a as a sort of an aspirant um 
as, as a sort of an aspirate song, but there are just so many, there's so much symbolism in relation to black history and the African-American experience that, 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 that the, that, that the audience, um, that, 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 that the audience that is, it, that it, that, that, that it, that it's focused on that can get, um, I am, um, I think, my rep my, so, so to answer your question like my reference language is is centered like around um a, a around like the neighborhood audience that 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 would get that i'm not um against anyone i'm not trying to 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 cut off anybody but one of the things i want to do in my poetry is to create a like an ornate and complex literary reference language that centers my neighborhood. Mm. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that's great. I love that answer. Um, do you want to read Song of the Triple OG Bird Rescue Man? Love to. Let me get it. I'm, let me find it in here. Right here. All right. This poem is called Song of the Triple OG Bird Rescue Man. Blood is the color that mixes late September. It tints the concrete of a late sunset mass. It makes a mass of niggas and blackbirds. The OG and white will take them. It is on wings of those beat and broke in migrations those caught up in wounds in rickety structure, those lost in aromas, poisons, and intoxicants, elusive and until they couldn't breathe. The OG and white will bring them home. Elusive is the errant gangster disciple as he washes his pavement of red. Elusive is his second act with body bags and his church with invisible chimes and his yellow tapes fluttering in the leaves and dust to dust, coloring everything around it. Lord, I'll go sweeping through the city where my hood niggas have rolled before. The old man claps and cleaner particles become a set of flying nightbirds. The old man claps the ruins of a playground become neither ruins nor a playground. The arcs of the busted jungle gym lift and resheath their pipe swords, lift every rock that interacts with his ash as the swing set chains stop their hanging. The OG and white will bring them home. At dusk, home goings are everywhere. Agony moves through Ag- Anglican storefronts. Agony lies still in the gravel. Dope boys barely make their stops. Dope fiends run to the water. At dusk, the OG finds place after place to give rosaries and proper burials. I will stand someday by, by the river. Won't be back on this block. No more. The OG and White will take them. The OG and White will bring them home. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I want to ask you about the refrains in your poetry. You often have a, a repeated line, and in this book, they're often printed in uh, in italic green. Uh, what's the what's the kind of inspiration behind that, and and how do you how do you use refrains in your poems? Oh, um, that's just old school church Islam Muslim call and response, <laughs> and the green is like I had gotten. Uh, a copy of the sound and the fury and um and um 
how um that had that had colors for the different voices and i had a um i had um um I, and i i just thought it would be a good idea and also like i like um i liked the the like the interludes and like how um some of the characters in them Ulysses would break the fourth wall of of the book um i hope that answers your question yeah I think this was a, a really great poem to read after what we were just talking about, because I do feel like it has a very religious, uh, like sermon-like feel to it. Could you talk a bit more about religion and, and its role in your life? Is that something that you grew up with? Is that something that's a part of your life now? Right now it's complex. Um, I used to accompany my mom um, to church and I used to accompany um, my grandmother and my uncle Mo in the eight thirty morning service, and it and I think that in in Bethlehem Baptist Church they, there used to be different cultures in 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 the, in the services, like like the eleven o'clock service was more people that could afford um, to to like flash and and be really flashy, mm-hmm. and. Eight thirty was like was quote unquote where the where the quote unquote uncultured people were and quote unquote yeah I use the, I use those very strongly and like and a lot of my religious like like rhetoric and religious a lot of my my surf my, my language and symbology and themes come from the the rituals and of of the kind of the Sunday morning service. And of, of where of, that had elders and people that um, people came they came from the south and people that weren't in sort of the that didn't have the quote unquote you know crossover social graces quote unquote but um they were I mean they were trying to express their complex relationship with God in the folklore and history um, I, I I I do struggle. With with religion, but I, 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 I do believe in I do believe in spirits. I do believe in the complex dynamics of spirits. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm I'm not a fan of organized religion. Um, I, I sometimes, I, I sometimes let my mind run run wild here, where I have quarrels with God. I used to, um, I used to say I believe in God. I just don't like Him very much. <laughs> I I, I want to uh, assure you, Robert, that you have good scriptural precedent for those feelings. <laughs> this is part of part of uh, having a relationship with God is wrestling with God. So, without getting too personal, um, I, I think you're far from alone in that feeling. Thank you. <laughs> um, could you talk a bit about the kind of specific inspiration behind this poem? Um, a lot of times I would um I'm I'm really restless at night sometimes mm-hmm. because I used to be a because because I used to be a homeless kid and I I I would um I would talk to people and I would sit with people and I would um and sometimes I would talk to and I would I would see this 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 brother taking care of the pigeons, and like one two o'clock in the morning, and I um and we get a rapport, and he would tell me a story, and and he and and this is when I this is when I started to get big, and he would he would he would say you better write about me little nigga, and I'm like okay, and um and I and then and I examined my own my own um self and writing this because you know he used to be about that life in the day but what what people don't understand is that like being about that life isn't an MTV video being about that life isn't the migos being about that life isn't a sort of a trap party that people um that 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 wasn't happy fun like what he and I had in common is that when we were 12 to 14 years old, 
we were told to make choices that we were told you better you better be in a gang or you're going to suffer terrible consequences uh he chose being in a gang to survive i suffered terrible consequences um and he also suffered but he also suffered terrible consequences later on because you like he was a runner and runners you know they were looking for parental figures they didn't sometimes your your brain isn't even half formed when you're 12 years old and if you're looking for a parental figure who is selling you this selling you this life you get into the world's worst pyramid scheme which was running and and his friends didn't survive and some my friends who got up caught in that life didn't survive but it, but he survived that life but he but he realized like he had a complex debt that you know and him being him taking care of nature was his way of 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 of, of paying that complex debt and it might not have been you know his to be on the ledger because sometimes you know, sometimes life happens. Sometimes circumstances happen. You know, there's there's nuance here. Um, and 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 I write about sometimes the cost of being a nerd. Sometimes the cost of being vulnerable in the streets. And sometimes I write. Sometimes I I, I write uh, 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 the um in the in a literary way. You know, the beeline blues that of anger mm-hmm. uh, of what happened and just but I I my way of writing about him was my way of forgiving folks like him who sometimes hurt me mm-hmm. sorry for rambling no no that's great do you want to read um, soft boy barbershop death cube I'll do that thank you let me get soft boy barbershop death okay let me get it okay it's in here. I'm gonna find it. Oh, my God. Yes, here it is. Soft Boy Barbershop Death Fugue. A boy's first death is when men rob him of color. The first snap from creation in a chair, in a line. The men remake him and make him dream of the river. Purple highlights are snapped. In order, he trembles. The abyss becomes a bus cut and a smack to his spine. A boy's first death is when men rob him of color. The men surround him, prod him, flash out their temper, then thrust their mask upon him in terms and in time. The men we make him and make him dream of the river. They prod and they chant, am I my brother's keeper? Yet the kept cattle boy is piecemeal and twine. A boy's first death is when men rob him of color. And then the kings are happy, finished, over. In the blank slated boy, their drum circle shrine. The men have remade him and made him dream of the river. In the potter's house, the one God eats the sparrow. In the potter's house, Sabbath is blood on the vine. A boy's first death is when men rob him of color. The men have remade him and made him dream of the river. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. The line, the repeated line, a boy's first death is when men rob him of color, reminded me of Bell Hook's observation that the first victim of patriarchy is often the emotional parts of young boys. Is that part of what you were expressing in that line? Yep. Um, I, um, like, I had a barber until I was 14 that was wonderful. 
And then the barbershop kind of changed. And then I went back and wanted to be myself, the same self that I was to that, to, to my old barber. And I got the crap kicked out of me. And, um, that, um, um, and that was, and I wanted to make, I wanted to, I wanted to alchemize that loss into literature. I believe, I believe in what Ralph Ellison called, um, the blue sensibility. Ralph Ellison and Albert Murray would talk about this, the idea that the blues artist is can be talking about agony and talking about the most sorrowful subjects and doing so in a way that is controlled and and is and is in and is in is consummate in craft and and one of the reasons why like I became an extensive student in in, in poetry and for, for so long and to, to, to try to was to was to was to was to develop a light uh, develop an, an interior library in my head that could alchemize such things I always think about the line from the BB King song where he sings nobody loves me but my mother and she could be jiving me too, too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which has always seemed like such a great encapsulation of like how blues is able to take sorrow and and transmute it into something that kind of shines, you know. Yeah. Um, I read a, an an interview with you where you said that you were for a time the only black poet in Bellingham, um, and that led me to wonder about kind of your your intended audience. Do you see your poetry as being specifically for? your specific community or to the, the, to the black community as a whole, or, or how do you kind of, I guess, who are you writing for when you put pen to paper? I, um, ever since I started the, the only people that I have, that, 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 that I have written for as an audience have been the people that in Tacoma, that live between between sixth and division, and twenty sixth and division, um, and I've always written for my neighborhood, but I un- but one of the aspects of writing about my neighborhood is to try to understand my neighborhood in the context of other neighborhoods. You know, Baldwin had that great quote where he said, you think you are alone in this world, but you read. And he was talking about how books were his way to understand like his life in the context of other lives. And, um, and sometimes I get things out of other neighborhoods that I don't get in my own neighborhood or I don't get from the things that people tell me I'm supposed to get. Um, I, um, like I was, um, I was so inspired and like, as, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a kid, you know, trying to make his way as a writer, I was inspired by a lot of the Polish poets who had been through mm. so much worse things that I have been through, but had, but could but could write about the world in a way that it was like if they can do it I can do it. Um, like um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. This is uh, not directly prompted by this poem, but I know you're also a playwright, and and I'm primarily a playwright, and I'd love to know what you see being the relationship between playwriting and poetry, or maybe just between your playwriting and your poetry. I um it's it's what um um it's what one of my heroes um Tennessee Williams called a plea for the common people. Um 
like I when I write plays, um, I write um, about human beings trying to um, trying to live and trying to process under the circumstances and cruelties of life, and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail, and sometimes life just happens, and sometimes. Um, I, um, I haven't, um, found a home for, um, uh, um, for, for the, the plays yet. I, I get, um, rejection notices when I started. First they said the, some, some, the um, my plays were too militant and then the other, the, the, now they say my plays are too conservative and it's the same damn play. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on it. I, but but I'm 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 trying to, you know. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard, I, man. Yeah, and theater's hard. It, but I am. It is, and and I um. There, in a lot of ways, Seattle Port and Portland has not been a very good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of I like. There have been so many places in the in in the, in the country that have been a, a wonderful fit for my writing. Um. I mean, uh, in related to the Midwest and um, and in 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 Boston and in Northampton and Worcester, um, Portland, Maine, and in 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 San Diego and 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 um, I've you know I've I've been been grateful to tour and I, I you know. I I'll have a wonderful relationship with my community in Tacoma, and I've developed a wonderful relationship with with Bellingham. Uh, although Bellingham's poetry scene is dormant, but their their activist scene is is growing and burgeoning in consciousness. So, like, I have a lot of places to go, but um, Seattle and Portland have never been a really good fit for me in my writing. Do you think a lot of that is because of the whiteness of those uh, those scenes? Um, I mean, not to white, not to say that there are only white people in those scenes, but I do think people think of the, you know, the Seattle theater scene, for example, as being not not a particularly diverse theater scene. Um, I have experienced, you know, before, um, my books got published, I experienced, um, discrimination in Seattle. Um, and there is that there. Um, but, um, um, for the most part, my fit, my problems with Seattle have been with, um, um, with the, um, social justice activist Mm -hmm. and, uh, and also, um, the, the, the sort of, radicals that my family has always quarreled with um in my um the first poem in the book um is about um the um the, the, the like africa activist in seattle who who would street harass um my mother and aunts when we were on the bus and that I can't deny that there's, there's a tremendous haunting history of racism in Seattle and as there is in almost everywhere. And I don't deny people their pain and there's so many wonderful people in Seattle. I also think that Seattle has a history of activists that are counterproductive, um, and like I, I mentioned, like you know, I, 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 I mentioned a show in the Paramount Theater where black men, militant black men who were activists, filled up the Paramount Theater, which is a three to four thousand seat arena to hear um, a, a black activist 
read from their book saying that it was okay to beat black women. For a long time, that was the biggest black show in the in the history of the state of Washington. That show outsold Toni Morrison. That show outsold Alice Walker. I can't, as an artist, I, the people that loved me were the people that paid, that paid for that bullshit. The people that fed me, the people that made sure I was here were the people that paid for that. I can't invalidate the people that loved me, even if it pisses off the activist section of an, of, 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 of regions. I mean, one of the, I mean, to quote unquote, um, um, to quote unquote, to quote unquote Huck, when he's Huck Finn, when he's at that part in, um, in, 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 I'd rather go to hell. I mean, I'd rather, forgive me for sounding extreme, I'd rather die than dishonor the people that loved me, even if it is heretical to, to modern convention. I hope I don't sound crazy. I'm sorry. No, no, Robert, you don't sound crazy at all. I feel like that seems like a very sane way to feel and a very sane thing to say. You have a line in one of your poems that really jumped out to me. You said, I will not love the wound more than the mind. I will not render my sense of the fantastic into an altar for my scabs. That to me felt like kind of a statement of purpose for, for this book. Did you think of that line in that way? Yes. And like, I was, it came, that line came from like a note um, processing the Proud Boys, four Proud Boys who were trying to organize a rally in, in Wright's Park, the park where I used to take my Uncle Mo to, to go, to go read every day. And I was, you know, I was processing this and I was processing the fact that, that because of Trump and that every, that, that my own neighborhood was turning into something that could support fascist. And part of that is that my own neighborhood isn't as black as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was processing that, 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 pain, that real pain, and that, that, that this was something that I, I had to, that I had to write about, but also the context that I wasn't the only person in, in the neighborhood processing this. Like, like, yes, this country is, I mean, is, I cry every day about how messed up this country is and how backward this country is. But I also know that I am not the only black person experiencing this and that there are people trying to process this. And it was my job. One of my, one of my jobs as a writer was to give the people processing this art. So you, you, you caught on onto it that it was an artist poetic. Robert, do you want to read a love poem? Yes. <laughs> Let's, uh, do you want to do a Value Village love poem? Let me get Value Village love poem. Yes. Right. I got to say, this one in particular really brought me back. I spent a lot of time in Tacoma area Value Villages. <laughs> I am, um, I, 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 I like to be different. Let me, uh-huh. thank you. I appreciate your appreciation of it. I remember I one time found one time found a cassette copy of the soundtrack to Forrest Gump where only one side of it would play, and we played that like a whole summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, almost got it. <laughs> there are um, and oh, really, yeah, that's funny. Value Village love poem. 
Old jackets don't fit, love. But did they ever? Insignias and hats fade in the cycles of discount trend racks. Jerseys and spanks contract arbitrarily, and scarfs hollow in the cleek lights without the heads that gave them meaning. Age and price may dictate our shape, but wherever you are is the boulevard. Let me adorn you a crown of price-check rosaries. Let my love be the alms that never signal, for without you hoop earrings are metal. Extensions just threads away from their orbit, away from their center and star. Let them price to infinity our posters and memories. Let them splice to the hood, to the meridians of invisibility. In my arms, you are never gone. My dear around the way girl, dance with me by the sail colors. Time may erase all style to memory, but the intercom is playing our song. Thank you, Robert. That was lovely. Um, this poem is pretty unabashedly romantic, um, which, if, if our listeners haven't gathered yet, is, is not your sort of main mode, poetically. Um, could I ask what inspired this poem? Um, just um, the tender moments that Billy Joel would write about in <laughs> underrated pop songs. <laughs> Great. Great answer. I love that, Robert. Um, well, I've already taken up so much of your time, and I, I, I want to, you know, honor that you probably have other things that you need to do on this Friday. But I want to really thank you for being on the show and for uh, talking about some things that are not easy to talk about. It, it was really a pleasure to get to read your book and to get to talk to you about it. Thank you, and thank you for putting up with my stutter. <laughs> I, I, I went through years of speech therapy myself, so I completely understand. <laughs>